The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you again uh, on the Lord's Day. It's wonderful to be in here together and to be able to sing together and to hear the Word of God and to pray and worship Him. It is, it is such a blessing, and uh, I was sharing this with Jim earlier today. I've enjoyed being with you all these past few weeks. I think uh, this is my fifth Sunday with you, and I have about three more. And I don't know about for you, but for me, the time has flown by in a good way. Uh, and uh, I've enjoyed uh, sharing with you, enjoy getting to know many of you, and uh, it's always good to be with God's people. Well, I want to ask that you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. We'll be looking at Psalm 127 this morning, and uh, a handout has been put on uh, the internet, on the website, in the newsletter. You can follow that handout if you like. If you don't have that handout, it doesn't matter. You should, you should be able to follow me fairly simply this morning, but we're looking at Psalm 127. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. Maybe it's a question you've thought about. Maybe it's a question you haven't thought about, but who is the wisest person that you know? Don't answer out loud, okay? But who is the wisest person that you know? When you have a problem, when you are seeking wise counsel, scriptural counsel, who do you go to for wisdom? For some of you, it could be a godly father, or it could be a godly mother. For some of you, it could be a Christian friend, maybe someone within this fellowship or someone outside of this fellowship. They, they just pour wisdom in you whenever you seek wisdom. For others of you, it's, it's your pastor, Pastor Greg, or maybe one of your elders. But all of us know people who are just known for their wisdom, and we seek out their wisdom. As we look at Psalm 127 this morning, we are given wisdom from the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Of course, Jesus was the wisest one. The Son of God knows all things. Uh, and yet, we are blessed this morning because as we look at Psalm 127, Solomon pours into us wisdom that he has learned. Now, if you know anything about Solomon's life, you know that he was a wise man, but he was not always a perfect man. And so, uh, he learned through following the Word of God, which was poured into him in his youth. He also learned from from experiences, uh, things that he, he did, things that he shouldn't have done. But we learned this morning from Solomon's wisdom. And the wisdom, the specific wisdom that Solomon communicates to us is this. God is the source of your prosperity. God is the source of your blessings. We all have things in our life that we are seeking, things that we believe will bless us, things that, that are part of the good life. Uh, blessings that God gives all of his people. That might be marriage, that might be children, that might be a job or work that we enjoy, something that fulfills us. It might be health, it might be security. There are many blessings that God grants his people. These are good things, and these are things that we can set out and we can pursue, we can work for. And yet Solomon wants us to be very, very clear. Solomon wants to be clear and he wants us to understand that God is the source of of our prosperity. God is the one who brings us the blessings that we have. Now, why is it important for you and I to understand this truth? Why is it important for us to understand that God is the source of our prosperity or the source of our blessings? Well, we live in a culture 
that misunderstands where blessings come from. I mean, even lost people use the, the expression blessings or prosperity or the good life, so to speak, if you want to put it more in secular terms. Our world understand, misunderstands where all these blessings come from. They think that blessing comes from oneself, from hard work, luck. But Scripture is clear that blessings come from the Lord. Our prosperity, as the Bible defines prosperity, comes from the Lord Himself. God is the source of our blessings or our prosperity. And so this passage of Scripture is important, first of all, because it, it helps us to understand where our blessings lie. It's also important because it helps us to guard against pride. In the Christian life, there is no room for pride. If you are blessed with this blessing or that blessing, you and I should never step back and say, look at all that I've done or look at all that I've accomplished. Instead, we should look to the Lord and say, God, thank you for how you have blessed my life. And so this passage of Scripture is important both for understanding to be wise, but also to keep us humble, to help us to understand where our blessings come from. Maybe you're familiar with this passage of Scripture. Maybe you've read it before. Maybe not. But I promise you it is a powerful passage of Scripture because it teaches us this great truth that God is the source of our blessings. Listen to what Solomon writes, Psalm 127. Listen to what he says. A song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Father, we come to that time in this worship service, Lord, where we look to your word, we listen to your word, and we pray that your spirit would speak to us. God, that you would impart to us the wisdom that you have for us. Lord, there are those here, I know within the sound of my voice, and those who are listening over the internet, a God who may see themselves as tremendously blessed, and yet, Lord, misunderstand where their blessings come from. God, there are others who are listening this morning, perhaps they don't see themselves as blessed at all. God, help us to see the wisdom that you give us this morning in your word, through the person of Solomon, through the person of your Holy Spirit. God, bless your people, edify them, strengthen them, give them the mind of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Solomon teaches that God is the source of our prosperity. God is the source of our blessings. Now, Solomon speaks in very simple terms, and he communicates this truth by mentioning four different people. Solomon mentions, first of all, a builder, and then a watchman, and then a farmer, and then finally a father. He mentions a builder, a watchman, a farmer, and then a farmer. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk you through this passage of Scripture and look at each of these four people who communicate the same truth 
that God is the source of blessing. And then I want to give you some principles to apply what Solomon shares with us. And so, very simple. Uh, this is where we're going, and let's go there, and then we'll, we'll just uh, leave the Lord uh, to bless his people and to edify them. So, the first person that Solomon introduces to us is a builder there in verse 1. We could also say he's a construction worker. And listen to what Solomon says. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. I don't know about you, but, but I've worked in construction before. And one of the things that I enjoy about construction work is that you can, you can look at what you've done and you can see the progress. You can look at what you've built and it, you can see exactly what's been accomplished. But Solomon tells us that unless God is in the work, unless God is building the house, the builders labor in vain. Why does he share this? Because he wants to drive home the simple truth that God is the source of our blessings. God is the source of our prosperity. The blessing that they seek, of course, is a, is a home, something to provide a shelter or security. But they must remember that God ultimately is the source of that security, that blessing that they seek. So Solomon first mentions a builder or a construction worker. Next, he will mention a watchman. There in that same verse, there in, 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 in verse uh, 1, second part, he goes on to speak of the watchman. And he says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, what is a watchman? Well, a watchman was someone who in ancient times who would serve to guard the city. There would usually be a, a large uh, gate or a fence some kind of structure around the city that was one source of protection. But also they had watchmen scattered throughout the wall around the city. And the watchmen stayed awake all night, and they watched to see if an enemy would come. And if an enemy came, they would sound the alarm, they would sound the cry, and the people would gather forth, and they would defend the city. And what Solomon speaks of here is the security that people want, the protection that people want, the blessing of security the blessing of protection. And he makes very clear that the watchman may watch, but unless the Lord guards the city, the city will not find protection. The source of protection, the source of security, as Solomon drives home, is God himself. And so Solomon mentions a builder, a watchman, but he mentions a third person here in verse 2. Now, this person is not so clear, he's not so direct, but it's indirectly Solomon mentions a farmer. Listen to what he says there in verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So what is Solomon talking about here? I think Solomon is talking about a farmer because he mentions bread and he talks about the toil, the labor that is associated with bread. We don't think a lot about how much time it takes to get food today, to eat the food. Yet in ancient times, it was a laborious process. In fact, not everybody was a farmer, but most people uh, engaged in some kind of farming activity. In, in fact, most of humanity lived in an agrarian context until about the 20th century. So we have a hard time understanding what Solomon is saying here, but he's saying he is referencing people who go out to get their nourishment working in farming, who, who labor all day long to find something to drink, something to eat. And he makes very clear that you may labor to get your nourishment, but ultimately it is God who provides this nourishment. In fact, he even suggests that even as believers sleep, God provides 
for their needs. Why does Solomon say this? Because, again, he wants to illustrate the point that he is trying to make, that God is the source of our blessings. God is the source of our security. And finally, Solomon mentions a fourth person, and that is the person of a father, or we could even say a mother, of a parent. And uh, listen to what he says there, especially in verses 3 and 4. He says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Solomon here references the blessing of having children. Children are a great blessing. Our society doesn't always view children as a blessing. And yet, biblically, believers have always viewed children as a great blessing, a source of blessing that comes from the Lord. And he speaks of that blessing. Verse 3, he says that they're a heritage from the Lord, which, which speaks of how the name of the, the father or the mother can continue on through their children. Their heritage can be continued through the Lord. He, he references in verse 3 also the fruit of the womb as a reward. Ancient Jews viewed children as a sign of God's favor, a reward from the Lord. You know, if you've ever studied anything about motherhood in ancient times, that a woman was considered a woman, that she was considered truly a woman if she produced children. So in that culture of that time, children were seen as just a great blessing or reward of the Lord. And then finally in verse 4, he, he says that they are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, which speaks of the protection that children give as they grow up, as they get bigger, as they become men and women. Children provide protection and strength to their aging parents. So Solomon here is just speaking of the blessings that come from having children. Ultimately, these children come from the Lord. But he says there in verse 5, he expands this a little bit more, speaking of children. He says, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Quiver is simply a cloth case in which warriors would store their arrows. And so the idea is the more children you have, the more arrows you have in your case to protect you. Uh, they were seen as a source of protection or strength that would help people in their aged existence. And then finally, Solomon says that he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. The idea here is perhaps a father would be accused of something wrong, and so he would stand before the other elders in the gate, or he would stand before the people at the city gate. And as the accusations were made against him, he would have many children to defend him. He would have many children to stand with him. He would have many children to designate to show that, that God had blessed this man's life, and so the favor of God was upon him. Solomon says this then, mentioning children, because he wants to emphasize that this blessing comes from the Lord. Well, Solomon mentions these four individuals then. He mentions this builder, this watchman, this farmer, this father. Again, to emphasize the point that God is the source of our blessing. It's a fairly easy concept to grasp. It's fairly easy to understand because Solomon is so simple in how he presents it. But how would we apply this to our life? How would we take what Solomon has to say and apply it to our life today? Well, I think I would encourage you to apply it in this way. I would ask you first to identify what you view as some of God's greatest blessings. Now, each of us would probably say something differently. Some of us maybe would say it's our home. 
maybe the security that's provided by a home. Some of us would say it's the job, just to be, just to be able to have a job where I can just uh, work. I find work very fulfilling. Others would say it's maybe family, having a loving family, loving parents, uh, food, uh, good health, security, protection, loving relationships, friendships. I mean, there are all kinds of blessings from the Lord that you and I might mention. And as we think about these blessings, these are all things that we as humans sometimes pursue. You know, Solomon, if you, if you read closely what he's, what he's suggesting here in these verses, the blessings that come from God, they come from God, but you also find people in this passage of Scripture pursuing these blessings, going after these blessings, seeking these blessings, engaged in work to seek these blessings. And so there is a sense in which God grants blessings to his people, and yet he understands that they pursue them, they work for that blessing in which he grants. As we think about the blessings that we may pursue or that God may grant, there are principles that you and I should follow. We should, we should be guided by clear principles as we seek these blessings from the Lord. Well, what are these principles? Well, let me share with you three. First of all, I think that we should include God in our work. Whatever blessing we're pursuing, whatever blessing we're after, we should pursue that blessing uh, with the Lord and not work independently of God. In other words, don't exclude God as we pursue that blessing. Now, it might sound strange to you that someone would say, I want the blessings of God in my life. And yet, in their actions, they would exclude God in the pursuit of his blessings. But that's exactly what some people do. Now, people wouldn't say that. People wouldn't say, God, I want your blessings. And yet, I- I'm going to not do things your way. I'm not going to seek your health. help. People would never say that, but, but in how they live, they would do that very thing. Many examples I can give you, but I can think of the examples of relationships. We all desire to have meaningful relationships. One meaningful relationship we desire desire to have might be a dating relationship, might be a spouse. At the university where I work, I sometimes see students who say, I want the blessings of God. I want the blessings of 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 a dating relationship. I want the blessings of a Christian marriage. And yet they exclude God from that pursuit, from their pursuit of that blessing. And it sounds crazy, but people do it every day. What does it mean, then, to to exclude God when we pursue uh, a godly relationship or a godly marriage that we say that we're after? Well, we don't seek God's will for the relationship. Maybe we're in a relationship with someone, and we're looking for a spouse, or we're we're looking for, for some kind of friendship, and we don't seek the will of God in that pursuit of that relationship. We don't ask God, Lord, what do you want from this relationship? We just, we think we know what we want, and we think that it's the answer for us, And so the blessing becomes greater and more important than the Lord, and we exclude God from that relationship, his will. We don't commit the relationship to the Lord in prayer. We don't stop and say, Lord, I'm committing this to you. I'm giving this relationship to you. Your will be done, whatever you want. So prayer isn't a part of our life when we exclude God. Third, they don't put the relationship in its proper perspective. The relationship becomes most important, or that person becomes most important. It becomes their number one priority rather than the Lord himself. As a result, they end up dating someone, they may end up marrying someone who is not a believer or who doesn't encourage them to follow the Lord 
as they should. Listen, I use the, the illustration of a, of a marriage or a dating relationship, but people do this all times with so many other blessings uh, where they exclude God from the pursuit of the blessing that only He can give. And God would have us not to do that. God would rather have us to include Him in the work. God would have us to seek His will in the work. Let me give you a word of counsel as we consider what Solomon shares here. Include God in whatever blessing you're pursuing. Whatever blessing that you believe God is leading you to pursue, include Him in that. Don't work, don't pursue it independently. Well, practically speaking, what does this mean? Well, it means that you and I commit your work to the Lord, that we lay it before Him and we submit it to His will. The psalmist, the Proverbs uh, say this, Proverbs 16:3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Listen, if you're seeking the blessing of God, commit it to Him because He alone can provide that blessing for your life. Commit it to Him. Second of all, seek the wisdom of God through His Word and prayer. Evaluate your desire or your pursuit in light of what Scripture teaches. And if that thing that you're after doesn't, doesn't align with Scripture, that relationship doesn't please the Lord, that pursuit that you're after doesn't please God, doesn't honor Him, maybe you should choose a different blessing to pursue. It must align with what Scripture teaches. And thirdly, listen to godly counsel from other believers. A lot of times in our American culture, we are so individualistic that we think our, our, our relationship is just us and the Lord. Listen, God has given you believers to give you wise counsel, to give you godly counsel. And uh, part of the way that God wants us to join with him in the work is, through the, is by seeking the godly wisdom and counsel of other believers. I mean, surely you of all people, we of all people, can appreciate how important the body of Christ is after being separated for so long. Well, the body of Christ is important for many reasons, but when we are seeking the blessings of God, members within the body of Christ can provide godly wisdom and counsel and say, you know what, I don't think you should be pursuing that for your life. I don't think that helps you be all that Christ has called you to be. I know that you want this, or I know that you want that. I know that you want this job or that job. Uh, I know that you think that you need to move here and, and take this position. This is not what God wants for you. This is not going to please the Lord. We need to seek godly counsel just as we need to follow the Word of God and just as we need to commit that blessing to the Lord. And so as you pursue the blessing that God gives, the blessings that God alone provides, make sure that you include Him in the work. Well, a second principle that you and I should pursue or should, should uh, apply to this situation would be to follow the Word of God. Now, I've already mentioned this, but I want to dig down just for a moment because this is so important. As you pursue God's blessing, as you pursue what this culture would call the good life, okay, and there's nothing wrong with the good life that God provides, make sure that you follow the Word of God. Make sure that you, you seek to follow the Word that God has provided to His people in Holy Scripture. Now, what does this involve? It involves reading Holy Scripture to understand the character of God, to understand the mind of God. You see, a lot of times we approach the scriptures and we say, okay, I'm going to read uh, one chapter from the Old Testament today, one chapter from the New Testament, maybe a proverb, and I've done my quiet time. You can do that, and reading plans are fine, 
I'm not against reading plans, but the reason why we read Scripture and study Scripture is that we might come to know God himself, what pleases the Lord, what honors the Lord, how he thinks, so that when we encounter any situation, when we are seeking after any blessing or any goal or any pursuit, we can stop and say, you know what, I, I think God would think this way. I think God would have me to act in this way. And then we can go back to the Word of God and we can, we can clarify to make sure that we understand how God thinks about this situation. You see, God has given us His Word to provide clear direction, clear understanding about all aspects of life, even those things that we pursue, that we believe are great blessings from the Lord. They must be checked by the Word of God. They must be checked by understanding what pleases Him or what doesn't please Him. A few years ago, I went to a conference in Dallas, and uh, I stayed for maybe three days, and uh, there was one evening where I had a lot of time on my hands, and so I have a friend that lives in Fort Worth, and I thought what I'd do is just drive from Dallas to Fort Worth, I'd have supper with my friend, and then come back. Uh, Fort Worth is about 40 miles or so from Dallas, and so we had supper at a Mexican restaurant, and when we were finished, um, I went back to Dallas, and I tried to find my hotel room, and there were a lot of problems with, with what happened, right? One problem was it, was it was December, it was already dark. I came back during rush hour, and so traffic was terrible. Uh, they, they were involved in a lot of construction in Dallas, and so just there were a lot of cones everywhere. There were wrecks in a few places. I mean, it was just a mess. I don't know if you've ever driven in Dallas in rush hour. It's not fun. Like, I'm a hillbilly from Kentucky. Let me tell you, it's, you know, two cows in a, in a, in a truck. That's enough traffic for me. But, and then also to top it off, um, the app that I was using for my GPS to find directions to my hotel, it just wasn't very good. I mean, I would drive past an exit and it would say, turn right. I would think, okay, I need to know a little bit quicker than that. But I found, my, I found myself at one point alone, really confused about where I was. And so finally I just pulled off. And it was, a bad, it was a bad section of town. And I really became worried about finding my hotel. I was concerned that I wouldn't find my way back. So I had to stop and I had to get my bearings. And there were a lot of factors that misled me, but one of the worst things was the app that I was using. It wasn't giving me clear direction to find the destination that I wanted. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been lost. Maybe you've been in a circumstance where you've been in a different city or someplace that you're just not familiar with. It can be really scary. As I think about the blessings that we sometimes pursue, sometimes we are following a bad app. Sometimes we are following an unreliable guide. Maybe it's a person that we think we can respect or we think we can trust, but they're not very reliable. Maybe it's just emotion, or maybe it's just, uh, maybe we're just going through a, a difficult time and we're just not thinking clearly. These things aren't reliable, but the Word of God is reliable. And so as you're seeking the good life, as people call it the good life, or as you're seeking the blessings of God, it is the Word of God that will give you clear direction and take you to the destination that you're looking for, or even reroute you sometimes if the destination that you want is not where He wants you to go. If you would look with me very quickly over at Psalm 1, go back and look over at Psalm 1, I want to paint for you a picture, a very clear picture, of the man or the woman who has said, God's word is going to guide me to the good life. God's word is going to guide me to his blessing. Psalm 1 presents basically two ways. It contrasts two ways. 
the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And the way of the righteous is the good way because the righteous person is following the word of God. But the way of the wicked is the wrong way or the bad way because they have disdained or set aside the word of God. Let me read just the first few verses, verses 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You see, the psalmist presents the good life for the righteous man. The psalmist presents the blessings of God that come upon the life of the righteous person. And these blessings come, why? Because of the word of God, because it is his delight. It is the word of God that he meditates upon day and night. And so if we are going to experience the blessings of God, as God defines blessings, it's important that you and I hold the word of God up and say, Lord, I will follow this to pursue what you have for me. I I may think I know what I need. I may think I understand what the good life is. I may think I grasp what blessings are, but I'm going to let your word guide me and direct me to the life that you want for me. Well, as we listen to what Solomon says here, and as we try to apply this truth that he shares about God being the source of prosperity, we understand, first of all, that we need to include God in the work. Second of all, we need to follow the word of God. But there's a third principle, I think, that helps us apply what he has to say, and that is let God define what prosperity looks like for your life. Let God and God alone define what prosperity looks like for your life. Now, I've touched on this already because really all of these principles, they run together, but I want to camp out on this just for a moment more because it's so important. Now, what does this statement mean when we say that we need to let God define what the good life looks for us or what prosperity looks like for our life? What does it mean? Well, it means this. It is human to desire God's blessings. It's human. Every human does. It is natural for us to seek after the good thing that God bestows upon people. However, at some point, we must learn to be content with the blessings that God has given us. We must let God define what prosperity looks like for us. You see, in Psalm 127, Solomon does not promise that we will receive every blessing that we desire or pursue. Furthermore, he does not suggest that God's people should receive every blessing or every uh, good thing that they desire. Solomon is not a prosperity gospel preacher. This is not a prosperity gospel sermon. And you and I misunderstand what Solomon is saying if we think that he is preaching a prosperity gospel. He does not imply that all believers will be wealthy, prosperous, or rich. That's unbiblical. But he's speaking in general here of the blessings that God grants to his people. But you see, Solomon recognizes that God's sovereignty and our need to humble ourselves before that sovereignty. He wants us to come to the point in life where in our theology of blessing, in our thinking about the blessings that God gives, 
we understand that we serve a sovereign God and that we are to humble ourselves before this sovereign God. One specific way that we recognize God's sovereignty is by accepting the blessings that he gives, whether they're few or many. No one receives every blessing that he or she seeks. And from an earthly perspective, we may receive much or we may receive little. You know this to be the case. I mean, you look at some Christians and they just appear to have so much when it comes to what the world defines as blessings, material uh, blessings. And you look at other Christians and they don't seem to have very much. They seem to be very poor. But it's important for us to recognize God's sovereignty and that there is, there is a limit that he has for his believers and that we trust God to determine the nature and the amount of blessings that he gives. All true blessings come from him and he grants them according to his will. You know, I've, I've seen this, and you've probably seen this before as well, especially if you've been on a mission trip before. I've been to Africa about five times, and I've met believers in Africa, and I've seen some of the poorest believers so content with the small amount of material blessings that God has given them. And yet I have known wealthy believers here in the States, and they're so discontent. Their life seems to be uh, in such turmoil because they're just not satisfied even though God has appeared to give them everything that they would seek or would desire. You know, you may struggle with contentment. We're talking about prosperity. We're talking about the blessings of God. You may struggle with contentment. All of us struggle with contentment at times. And yet, God wants us to be content with what he grants us. He wants us to be content with the blessings that he gives us. At some point, you and I must humble ourselves and understand that God is sovereign and he determines the blessings that we receive. What about you this morning? How do you view your blessings? Because this is very important. How do you view the sovereignty of God in regard to your blessings? How do you view the will of God in regard to your blessings? Listen, God isn't about, God isn't against you working hard to get more, to gain more, but God wants us to understand that it's important important that you and I recognize that he is sovereign and there is a limit to the blessings that we receive, at least the blessings that appear uh, so significant to the eye in this life. But even more so than that, God wants us to understand that his greatest blessing, the greatest blessing that God gives us is God himself. He is our greatest treasure. God is the greatest treasure that we have. And we get in trouble where the blessings of this world or the things of this world become more significant to us than our great treasure, who is the Lord himself. This is important for us to grasp. This is important for us to understand. Well, Solomon gives us a great deal to think about here in this passage. The one wise truth that he drives home to us is that God is the source of our blessings. God is the source of our prosperity. And as we seek these blessings, as we seek these things, we should include God in the work. We should also follow the word of God. And we should let God define what prosperity looks like for us under his sovereignty, according to his will. Christian, Solomon's wisdom may be familiar to you. Maybe you've read this psalm before, but do you live this psalm in your life? Does your thinking follow what Solomon shares here in this psalm? Do you think like this psalm? Does the wisdom in this psalm categorize the way that your mind works? Do you see God as the source of your prosperity? 
Or do you see yourself, your abilities, as the source of your prosperity? Do you include God in the pursuit of prosperities? Or do you say, you know what, Lord, I, I appreciate it, but I think I've got this one. I, I think I know what I need, and I think I know how to get it. Do you follow God's word as you pursue the blessings that you identify? And do you allow God to define prosperity for your life? God wants his people to be God-focused. God wants his people to be reverent, to submit themselves to him, and to recognize that he, and he alone, is the source of our prosperity. Well, maybe you're here this morning, or maybe you're listening uh, over the internet, and you've heard me talk a lot about blessings and prosperity that come from the Lord. I just want to reiterate to you, share with you once again, that God has given us his greatest blessing, and that blessing is in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ came to the earth. He died for sinners. He took sin upon himself that we might not suffer the wrath of God. And he offers us his salvation as a free gift. There are many wonderful blessings that God gives in this life, but they cannot satisfy like the salvation that Jesus Christ offers us. It is a blessing that is the inheritance of those who know Christ as Savior and Lord who have repented of their sins and placed their faith in him. And as Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, it is an inheritance that will not fade, will not rust, will not spoil. It is great blessing of the Lord. Where are you this morning? Have you, have you recognized God as the source of the blessing of salvation? Or do you need to come to him in faith and repentance to receive that? Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful this morning for the wisdom that Solomon gives. God, it's so easy to take what he says and to misunderstand it, to skew it. But Father, I pray that, that you would help your people to be wise and to appreciate and to grasp, to understand what Solomon says. God, you don't promise a life of blessings as we define blessings. But God, you simply present yourself as the source of blessings and the one to whom we are to go to, Lord, to seek the good life that you provide for your people. Father, I pray that Jesus Christ, the salvation that he offers, Lord, would, we would see as the ultimate and the greatest blessing that you give. Lord, I pray for your people that they will be edified. And God, if there is someone here who doesn't know you, I pray they would be drawn to you and to your salvation by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name.